Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And in his true adventure journey from Santa Barbara, California to Peru, the twilight world of ascended guides and the deepest depths of his soul, our guest imparts the 13 universal wisdom teachings and his genius process for integrating them into your life. Sound intriguing? It has been for me, and I have a treat for you today. This process enables you to shed the layers of ego, pretentiousness, false beliefs, and values that separate you from the divine genius, your authentic, creative, loving, and abundant life force. In part one of this three-part series, we'll talk about the emergence of this brilliant manuscript and take a deep dive into the first four wisdom teachings. I'm really excited to bring this to you, so I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your heart and mind, and settle into our essential wholeness. As I introduce our guest, Adam Hall is committed to helping individuals unlearn the beliefs, behaviors, and habits that shield them from discovering their divine genius. The key to acknowledging and activating their true divine selves. In his new book, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, Adam shares the 13 universal wisdom teachings and the genius process that I mentioned that led to his transformation. And what he discovered on this extraordinary journey is a page turner. I want to invite you to listen to this first show and watch for part two and part three because it's, well, I'm going to share so much more about this book as we dig in. There's so much here from from this really Indiana Jones type adventure to really practical um, ways to integrate the wisdom that comes through. So I am so excited to have you, you listeners here today and I am really happy to have you back. Adam, welcome back to my show, my friend. Wonderful to be here with you, Julie. It's nice to be back and especially during these, well, times of great earth changes and um, I'm explored, excited to explore these wisdom teachings with you, and I'm so happy that uh, you've invited me to be present with you and your your audience for three 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 times to be here to so we can drop in and really share our our collective work together. Mm, thanks, Adam. I have to tell you, my producer Tony said I I didn't get your intro in your your normal email 
until late today. And I said, I know. I sat down to prepare for the show and I could not condense it into one show, Adam. It was there's so much there. Our listeners are gonna find out. And I thought that doesn't give it justice to just skim over the top and and tease the listeners and invite them to buy the book. I really want to bring these lessons home and and really feel them as this direct experience through your voice. So I'm excited to have you here and to be able to expand into this a bit. And um and I also recognized the first thing before our for traditional first question. I, I just mentioned to you the last time we talked, you were on a writing retreat, bringing this book through. So that feels super special to me too. So I'm so happy to have you here. Maybe we can muse into that a little bit too, but I do have a first question, the traditional first question here on the show. And I love to re-ask it because and I know, especially after reading this book, the, the the answer will be evolved from who you are today. So, Adam, can you share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? Wonderful, wonderful connection. And there's so much talk about connection these days or the convergence of connection and oneness of ourselves and unity. So what a beautiful way to begin with all things connected and what comes to mind uh, right away for me is that we experience uh, these five bodies as in this beautiful elegant operating system we call the human body and those five bodies are the physical physical body of course the emotional mental spiritual and then uh, i add the quantum body. So in connecting our physicality, our emotional, our mental, and our spiritual bodies with the quantum body, the quantum field, we are connecting into all things that are connected. Mm. That's a beautiful way to bring the body into this conversation. And Wow, I love that. Thank you for that response. It'll be fun to go back and, and listen to your first response years ago when we talked about your first book. But Adam, you are so much more than an author. And in the brief introduction I gave, I kind of saved things because I think that your bio and your history are an integral part of the wisdom that weaves through your book. You spent 27 years as a CEO and serial entrepreneur, and you began your professional career as a self-described earth conqueror and ultimately turned into the role of earth keeper. I love that term, earth keeper. Let's begin with your personal story. I remember interviewing you when your first book came out, and then you mentioned that you were a self-described millionaire jerk and it felt so liberating to really like say that on that show um because you were so there with it like yeah i really was this this jerk i was this millionaire jerk and you've learned so much from that time and yet all of that like i mentioned integrates and weaves through this book so share more about your long painful yet adventurous journey to divine genius oh most certainly and i and i and i don't want to be remiss to say thank you right here in real time to be with me 
during parts of that uh, writer's writing retreat that I, I took down in Patagonia, in uh, Chile, in Argentina. And this this work was emerging at that time, and it was a very powerful place of being in an unknown land and unknown spaces and to allow myself to listen deeply. And I know we had a chance to connect and I connected with a few other other great earth stewards and earth keepers like yourself. So thank you for that. And yes, it has been quite an evolutionary journey. And as our late beloved Barbara Mark, somebody we share in common, and it's actually the first time I, I met you over there in Sedona, I don't even re- when was that? I don't even remember when oh, that was. Oh gosh, was that? It was probably during the year of 2012, sometime, because um, we were on a retreat. So it was, yeah, it was right? really, yeah. What an oh. incredible time it was. Well, well, it it kind of speaks to your question because that evolutionary thrust that I moved into. Um, you know, as from that earth-conquering um, millionaire jerk, um, narcissist kind of personality and hard-charging, you know, person that was really in the world to to conquer and to to play into that um, life of win and lose, and um, the idea of competitions simply to create um, an experience that was all about myself. So I was living that quintessential American dream, uh, built the big house. You know, I have three beautiful and amazing daughters and something else that's happened since then. I now have five granddaughters, Dr. Julie. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Talk of, these are my, these are my t- greatest teachers right now to be, be, be real with you on that one. But ultimately the, the idea of, you know, the proverbial cliche breakdown to break through or midlife crisis or midlife awakening, dark night of soul, whatever you want to call it. Um, Something unique, I think, happened for me a bit in retrospect, and that was, um, and maybe it's my, just my Aryan nature, um, and that I, I needed to uh, really kind of take myself apart. It was more of a dismantling. And the more I became aware of my life and my pain and my traumas and these places that felt so deeply unloved within the self, the more I became determined to go all in and really see what was going to be revealed um, about who who is Adam Hall and who is this soul. And so I I really begin that quest, but it 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 began with a, a search and searching and begin by really an unknown world in which I I must be uh, open about that it was I was I was deeply afraid. Um, of, of of what was going on in my life because I didn't know and I was experiencing a tremendous loss of my family and a, tr- a loss of who I thought I was to be all to turn out to be a great blessing. So I'm I'm honored to be here with, with you and honored to be sharing that journey and some of the things that have come forth in my life and ultimately 
uh, I think is a question that's been po- is being posed for all of us right now, Dr. Julie, is to really embrace the most authentic part of ourselves. And that's where my journey has been taking me and continues to take me into the quintessence of that uh, authenticity and really how am I to serve? How am I to serve and express my own soul, but also how am I to serve this planet during these great times of change? So look forward to going deep with a few of these things if you want to. Yeah, thank you for your authenticity and and being a teacher of that for all of us. You you model and mentor it in a beautiful way in this book and I know in your your work in your daily life. In in the opening invocation of the book there's a phrase, soar with the flow of consciousness. Mm-hmm. I love that invocation. I loved that phrase. I feel like this book is a stunning treasure map that takes us on this magical flight to soar with the flow of consciousness. It invites us to find the living consciousness of God within. And there's so many layers to this. Can you set the foundation for our conversation by telling us how this journey began, perhaps with the introduction of what you call the voice of men and the 81-day journey? Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. And the in in our shamanic traditions, we in the in the east eastern direction is the direction of the eagle, and and the eagle here in the in the north uh, of America, up up north America, and they, it's the condor in the southern southern hemisphere, South America, and the idea of when we connecting the heart and the great mind, the the heart of the condor and the great mind of the eagle. And bringing those two things together, we get to soar. We can fly free of our stories, and past conditionings. And I knew that I needed to get my wings, so to speak. I needed to lift those wings so that I could move beyond some of the, the traumas and the pain that, that I, I felt in, in this lifetime, but ultimately, throughout lifetimes uh, in, in the work that I've done uh, across, across well, life, lives that I've lived, so to speak, and not to get off on, on those past lives, but ultimately to lift those wings. And when I begin to think about uh, and feel into what I was being invited to, to allow this body of work uh, that came forth as the, the book, The Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, is I began to feel what wanted to come through, what was asking to be come through and allowed for me to be uh, to write this, to, to be honored to write this body of work. And it and I was it began on a deserted beach in the Baja in California, in Mexico. And it was a place that I'd been going for quite some time since I wrote the first book, The Earth Keeper, Undeveloping the Future. And it's completely off grid. There's no phone. There's no nothing. <laughs> it's really in the wilds. And that message was received. That message was came from this eagle that was flying out in this desert. And I was was stunned by um, its pattern of why it was circling over me like prey. 
<laughs> actually. And it the message was it was time to lift your wings and soar. And that message became ultimately uh, came from what I referred to as men in the book, M-E-N. Not from a context of gender, Dr. Julie, but men is an archetype in Mayan cosmology. And men is the archetype of the eagle. And if we think about the eagle on the great condor, we think about the great birds, they soar between heaven and earth. And this great archetype, men, is the wise one, the wise, wise ascended master. So hence, I begin the journey with this wise ascended master for 81 days. I was directed on every morning to come to listen deeply in meditation. And some of those meditations were two, three plus hours of just pure downloading and, um, and listening in stillness. Um, and that began this journey with men, this archetypal eagle, this wise master that began to share these 13 wisdom teachings and guided me on the journey that ultimately became this body of work I call the divine genius, the unlearning curve. Well, the book is a treat. And like I mentioned, it alternates between an Indiana Jones style adventure <laughs> to real life reflections. Talk about your authenticity. You are vulnerable in this book. You share that life journey and, and, and then through those reflections and this adventure style book, like it's, it's a page turner, you deliver these lessons. And so it's exquisite. It's very well written. Tell us more about this format of the deep threads that weave through the page. Well, it was a, actually, it was a, a little bit of a conundrum as a writer. I mean, I think you, as with your wonderful work that you have published recently, and I can imagine there's more to come come out of your <laughs> There's a few more, yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it was a little bit interesting because I, I, I wanted to um, – you know, do a few things. One is to weave um, the, the the own personal journey, um, and 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 really share very transparently what was going on in my my everyday life, and and really to offer to the reader that. There is a lot, maybe a lot going on in your life, but also there's a lot going on internally that is the invitation of spirit that's asking us to pay attention. So I shared a few kind of interesting weaves within the divine genius. And for all you writers out there, maybe this is might be of interest to you in particular, but also for just a reader, you can find out how to weave your own journey into the deeper wisdom that, that you have. And the first piece was that first pillar, really, it was that piece around my own personal journey and sharing transparently that journey. I believe transparency is the new currency. Um, I think the days of our living separate and in being the imposters 
of, of our lives, of our authenticity is, is winding down. And I wanted to proactively, consciously evolve my own personal journey as, as we've spoke about so much over the years, conscious evolution. I wanted to be participatory. In other words, I didn't want life happening to me. So I shared transparently these, these life experiences. And, um, and the, what I realized is that I initially thought in my first manuscript, uh, The Earthkeeper, that I was being vulnerable. This is, I felt vulnerable like ten, ten, tenfold <laughs> in this book. And, but ultimately I knew in my vulnerability that it would leap me, I could leap in more into my own authenticity. I'd come more into my truth. I'd be more in the world purely as Adam, as soul, as spirit, as heart, as mind. And so I provided that as a pillar within the book about my own personal journey. And then the other piece of it was the time, the 81 days with men and the interactions that I had in, um, in, 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 his, in, in his presence. And that shares and reveals the weaving of, of deep universal wisdom. And that weaving is very particular to um, A Course of Miracles. It's long been a key part of my work. I'm a, wonder, I'm a good student and teacher of that now. And shamanism. The other piece of it really speaks directly into the reader, which is it offers the reader an opportunity to really engage that way in that life. In, in other words, gauge in your own personal life, engage in those wisdom teachings. So it's a reflective body of work that invites people into a process to evolve themselves into their genius, into their authenticity. So that that gives you should give you a little bit of idea. Thank you for the patience for the long answer, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. You do it masterfully. Thank you. And so before we go on break. After the break, we're going to talk about those four wisdom teachings for today, the first four. Um, and I don't even know how I'm going to condense those four into the time we have because they're so brilliant. But you, um, I want to, before that, uh, talk about this question. You were inspired by a question by our friend Alberto Vialdo when he mm -hmm. asks, can you get out of this lifetime alive? Share with our listeners what this question and this quest has meant you? Well, when I first heard that sitting in my, the first night there on, in the Sacred Valley in Peru in June of 2005, that, that, and I was like a dog on a bone. I need, I was going to find out the answer to that <laughs> question. It, under, it wasn't going to, no way going to not find out that answer. But, and ultimately it's not about getting out of this life uh, 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 physically. That's not the point. Everything dies. And even this, of course the sun does. It's, it's about uh, experiencing our own um, psychological death. In other words, freeing ourselves from, from the past because we li often live in the past and I was living and guided and thinking and acting from the past. So it was about shifting my perceptual lens beyond the idea of death and beyond the idea that I'm a body and ultimately 
to get out of this lifetime is the full recognition and living in in real time as spirit and as light and as love in the world. And that way we get out of this lifetime alive. Mm. I, I really appreciate you mentioning that it's a shift of your perceptual lens. Mm. And I think that that one piece is um, really what's happening on our planet today from you know a more global perspective. We're shifting out of this illusion of separation, really believing that we're separate into a unitive consciousness where we're understanding, we're really embodying these deep wisdom lessons that the book talks about. Can you just share a little bit more about that consciousness, Adam, before the break of, of how we literally are shifting from this illusion of separation and separate self into this new state that, that brings the title of the book forward so beautifully, Divine Genius. It's tapping into this divine genius. Yeah, I'll touch on it briefly. We may have to come back after the break, but ultimately I would begin with there, we're at a choice point. There's a bifurcation going on. And will we choose to continue down the same path of living in the future's past? Or will we embrace and step forward into our own co-creative destiny, our own co-creative life experience? And this is where we are right now. And it's very powerful. And I think I'm ha- I'm really happy you brought it up because I think our audience will may want to know because it can be invoke a lot of fear. And I think many of us are really feeling the pressures of this. I'm feeling the pressures of it and have gone into deeper practice more than ever so. So this would be maybe something to even dive deeper into because I think you're you're hitting you're hitting on something really important here, Dr. Newley. Yeah, thank you, Adam. It is it is a big one. And. You're right. The fear is alive in so many. And and like you know, the Course of Miracles, this shift from fear to love is, you know, at the heart of all of this and this conversation. So I'm Julie Kroll. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. We're here with Adam Hall talking about divine genius. Are you ready to step into your divine genius and live the divine genius? We're going to explore so much more when we return. We'll be right back. Meditation channel, nonstop meditation music, 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation channel is interruption free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at Empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation channel. Hey America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. 
Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Check out my new time machine. Does it work? Hit the button. Hey, it's Napoleon. Check out the future. Hey, you have a nice house. Why don't I? You didn't save any money, buddy. If only there was a way I could go back in time and fix that. Yeah. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks. Feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And on the leading edge of personal, social, and global transformation, I invite you to be a way shower, a change agent, and make connections that inspire and accelerate our collective awakening and planetary healing. Stay connected every week with my newsletter where you'll find meaningful content, opportunities, and inspiration. You can sign up at juliecrawlemail.com. Again, that's juliecrawlemail, K-R-U-L-L, juliecrawlemail.com. And you can find our guests today at Adam Hall. Dot solutions. Simple spelling, just like you, his name, Adam, A-D-A-M, Hall, H-A-L-L, dot solutions. And Adam, welcome back to the second half. We're going to dig into the first, hopefully, four wisdom teachings today. And if we don't get to all four, I want to just really deepen and marinate in these and not just skim over them. Um, but to, to really offer our listeners some substance here. And so um, it may be tricky. If we run out of time, we'll, we'll just take as many shows if we, as we need because this is good stuff here. But the first wisdom teaching is about forgiveness. And there are so many beautiful quotes in the book. Here's one that introduces a new way of understanding forgiveness. You write, true forgiveness removes the obstacles that prevent your soul from fully emerging in the world. The challenge many people face results from a misunderstanding of forgiveness. Most forgive others for what they have done instead of forgiving them for what they have not done. Explain this to us, dear Adam. Mm, Yes, well... I'm very excited about this format, and uh, so thank you for offering that. I'm actually in the midst of doing a course around these first four as well as the rest of them, but the first four are essential because they're, well, they're like the foundation of your home. And if that foundation is not uh, laid uh, in its uh, appropriate manner, in the right strength with those pillars, then ultimately that can shake our home. And so the idea here is to build that unshakable foundation within your life and to know that under whatever circumstances may be had or experienced in the outer world, 
that your inner world is a place of solidarity, of certainty, of safety, and trust. There's no better place to begin than with forgiveness and true forgiveness. I appreciate you bringing this to the fold immediately because if there's nothing that could be taken away from our time, for all of us, the true forgiveness is the, is the key. In other words, each of these 13, 13 uh, wisdom teachings, Dr. Julie, are stepping stones. In other words, we need to land squarely and firmly on this first teaching around true forgiveness. And this work uh, em, uh, emerges through um, my uh, study and being a student of A Course in Miracles uh, over the last 18 years. And the Course speaks beautifully to this because ultimately, in many ways, this is the highest practice and greatest expression that we can have uh, in, in, in our human body in our form here and our time here on the planet i think love has got to be <laughs> but ultimately forgiveness gets us into that place of unconditional love so let's talk a little bit about uh, true forgiveness and we, we often think of forgiveness as um a, an act of like you quoted of of forgiving somebody for an event or forgiving ourselves for an event that occurred in our lives. And that event creates a few key dynamics. That one of the dynamics is, is we judge, we become a judge. We have to judge the other person and ourselves. And it also creates a dynamic of guilt. Somebody did something, I did something, right and wrong. And lastly, it locks us into a key attribute of, of the separate operating system of the ego. And this is where we get into unlearning the ego and the separate operating system that it entails. And that piece is really locks us into a victim perpetrator mentality. And we seemingly are either the victim or we're perpetrating or we're rescuing, or forgive my lack of better language, or we're seemingly subjugating or, or prostituting ourselves to a, a life that seems so unfulfilling. So this idea of true forgiveness is one that allows us to move through these type of events, to move through these type of thought processes because we have 60, 70, 80,000 thoughts a day. The vast majority of them are based on past events, <laughs> like 99% of those thoughts. And when we're projecting our thoughts, our meetings, our wounds, and our traumas onto our current life circumstances, we become beholden to those circumstances. Make sense? Mm -hmm. And that that is allowing us to be locked into and you do such great work with your clients around this, locked into these kind of circumstances. Now, I, I want to just say briefly, Dr. Julie, this is not to be de minimis to any event or any trauma that any of you may have. My heart is there, and there's obviously some horrific things 
that go on in our lives. This is not to file them away. This is not to ignore them. This is to fly like an arrow right through them so they're no longer controlling our lives. And when we practice true forgiveness, that arrow flies through it. It pierces right through the energy that's holding us back from our greatest potential. And I I would share this about true forgiveness, and I invite everybody to begin a practice of true forgiveness, which in the book is very detailed. And that practice begins with, of course, forgiving ourselves. And as you mentioned, we forgive ourselves not for what happened, but for what did not happen. And what did not happen in all instances of events that happen and traumatize our lives is that we forgot of our inner connectivity. Quote, all things are connected, unquote. We are here and we're connected because if you think about our connection and oneness to each other, and in that place of oneness, there is only love. There is only unity. There is only the presence and peace of God or the only the presence and peace of your own self, of what you know yourself to be as an authentic being. So in that place, we are able to remember there was an error that was committed. I committed an error. I have numerous examples in my life of errors that I've committed and in my sense of forgetting that I am connected to to others. And in that air, we begin to allow ourselves to be freed from those traumas. And this gives us a great opportunity to move into really a place of our authenticity. In other words, there's nothing to defend. There's nothing to hide. So ultimately, forgiveness is a conscious act of non-judgment that restores the memory of God. (laughs) I'm chuckling because I have that quote right here in front of me. (laughs) I love that quote. Forgiveness is a conscious act of non-judgment that restores the memory of God. So gorgeous. It introduced this underlying principle of the whole book is this remembering that we are one with God, that we are one with one another and ourselves. So it's an important concept here in the forgiveness. And, you know, another one of those concepts is that I think is important is that forgiveness is a process, not an ending. It's a journey. Say more about that. Well, most certainly. And um, of all the practices that I do, this is the one that I am most vigilant about. And I stumble often. Mm. Um, It's easy to be driving down the road, for example, and having somebody cut you off and you're going, hey, you know, come on, whatever you may say. So this, the little things uh, that show up in our life are often the best reminders that we must forgive because in our sense of forgiving ourselves for judgment, the being that judge and that jury. (laughs) And the idea here is to move into a place that we are moving beyond our stories. 
So the idea I think that I would put forth for all of us is that this is a great practice that requires great vigilance. And this is the practice that will set you free because it really reveals the truth of who we are. We've all heard the truth will set you free. And I would also add forgiveness will set you free so that the past is no longer deciding our future. We get to move forward into our place as co-creators, as place as co-creators of our destiny. And forgiveness is the thing that is helped me as much or more than, than, than anything else other than unconditional love, of course. Beautiful. The next teaching is purpose. You oh. write, when your actions are true to your purpose, you become aware of the authentic emotions of the heart and soul. Adam, this is a bit complicated. Help us understand the role of purpose and emotions. First, what is purpose with a capital P, as you write in the book? And then how do the emotions relate? This was a, quite, a, quite a journey that I went on with men around this. I, I, I had a great challenge as a writer elucidating the message around true purpose. So I will say in advance that as a writer, um, I did my best to bring it forth uh, co cogently and coherently. So let me share a little bit around this because we often um, are exploring purpose, right? I mean, how many times do we hear, what is your purpose? <laughs> and it's um, it brings a bit of a smile to my face now, but it didn't for a long time because it, the idea of seeking meaning and purpose in my life became quite quite arduous, and it become become an endless search for meaning. And you know, I you know went deep into the reading or the, we can go deep into our allegiance to gurus. Well, we can, whatever it may be, we just become, you know, professional seekers. And the idea here is you are the guru. You have the power and it all lies within you. And to understand true purpose is to recognize that power within yourself. Let me say a little bit more. Because when I was sitting with men and doing this work around true purpose, it spoke immensely uh, to my sense of feeling and my deeper emotional state. Um, it was a journey into my own emotional intelligence, my EQ. And as a man, that had been an unexplored territory, and that's an understatement. And what I found, Dr. Julie, is that coming into touch with my deeper inner emotional state, my sense of anger or rage 
or times of shame or inner loneliness. The abandonment I felt by my mother, the un being unrecognized by my father, by not having role models per se, left me in a state of, well, just say, <laughs> emotional distress that was hidden and buried. And I believe this is very prolific amongst uh, the old system of the patriarch and the masculine. That's a bigger conversation. But ultimately coming into relationship with those deeper inner emotional places and attuning to myself, the men took me back to true purpose, which he says, and I think it's quite fascinating, that true purpose is the same for everybody. You know, we it's we think about purpose in the world. What are we doing? I'm going to show up and I'm going to do these things and do those things. And I've got meaning and purpose in the world. But this was really fascinating because men pointing me back into that the only purpose that I have in life is to be authentic, to be interconnected to my heart and my soul and my mind. And in that interconnectivity of my own connection of emotion to bring that into my everyday life. And that is what true purpose is. Everything in everybody in the world offers us an opportunity in that earth school, so to speak, offered an opportunity for me to embrace the authenticity of who I was. It was painful at times. It, it, it was not easy. But that's what the purpose of everything and everybody is, to bring us back to true purpose and connected to our own emotional intelligence, our own sense of our own being and our purest quintessence as light, as love. So that's what purpose is. If you think about it, it's like, wow, that's a relief. I don't have to worry about what my purpose is. I just get to be in the journey of experiencing my authentic self. I get to embrace how I feel. I get to be in a place of expressing that. That's purpose. Yes, that's purpose. So that's how we share true purpose in the divine genius, the un unlearning curve. And of course, there's much more to the journey to that. And obviously that's the work I do in the world. But hopefully that'll bring some light to allowing and supporting people who are seeking purpose in the outer world. When the outer world is the gift, the gift of pointing us into the inner world of our own authenticity to the fullest yeah. expression of our emotions. If Hopefully that makes some sense. It does, and thank you. And, and listeners, if you're intrigued, there's 
there's questions, there's more. There's more in this book. Go to it. Um, Adam explains the difference between childish and childlike emotions. There's, there's just so much to each one of these teachings. But I want to move on to give you a feeling for three and four if we can. So wisdom yeah. teaching number three is death. Mm. You write, life begins with death. In the ego's separate mind, they are the same. In other words, there's no death. Death is merely a thought of the ego mind. All that dies is not authentic. Authenticity in the genius mind cannot die. Teach us a little bit about death. Oh, my goodness. It just, you know, there's a quote in the book as well, Dr. Julie. A man, and well, we can say a man, woman, with outward courage dares to die a man with inner courage dares to live sun tzu the art of war and the art of life is to find the courage to allow ourselves to outwardly let go outwardly surrender all that no longer serves us i walk a path, uh, a shamanic path, a lineage path, that is a path of fire. Different shamanic paths. Some are pure healing lights and earth-keeping lights or kind of different connections to the elements. And the path that, uh, that I had taken and fits appropriately with being an Aries in fire is the path of fire. In other words, we allow ourselves to surrender uh, all that no longer serves. Perhaps those are limiting belief systems or family imprints or events, tragic events that happen in our lives. So the idea of death is one that allows us to transcend the uh, idea uh, that these hold us hostage and keep us in our past. And the beauty of the the um, process that I offer in the divine genius around death is simply to, is an understanding that death is an idea. It's a thought of separation. It's a thought in the ego. It's a thought that's particular and exclusive to physical physicality, to form, to bodies. But if we think about it, we're not just a body. We're spirit in a body. And in knowing that our own existence, our consciousness is transcendent of physical form, then we recognize that the idea that we are separate from our oneness, of our totality, of our uni unified state of, again, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and the quantum field. In that thought that we're separate from that, which, by the, in my opinion, is insane, <laughs> it's impossible, it keeps us in this idea of fear, of fear of death, fear 
and a being in the body. So that's the beauty of the power of this process because we begin to recognize death is merely a thought that has emerged from a thought of separation. In other words, death comes from a thought of separation and in that separation, we think of a thought called death. It's twice removed from the oneness of who we are. Hopefully that's a bit helpful around some ideas of becoming into our and stepping into our own immortality and our own eternal nature uh, and the truth of who we are as geniuses connected to the God and the divine genius. Yes, and every little death we become deeper in into more meaningful relationships with everything and everyone. Um, again, this conversation of death brings us back to the shifting of our perceptual lens and really this new way of rethinking. It's, it's going back to the unlearning curve that is the subtitle of this book. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to just pause here and keep the readers in suspense on that fourth one because we can really move into it. It's one of my favorite quotes in the book. One of my new favorite things um, is becoming an artist of consciousness. And so mm-hmm. for those who are listening, if you if you like that phrase, you want to tune in to, to part two here. But I I, I just want to pause here, Adam, before this part one of our series um, closes to really understand this unlearning curve as a subtitle, because really you're asking us with, um, we began in each, each one of these lessons, there's an unlearning when we, wow, I'm looking back in my notes, you know, when we talk about each one of these, there are these wisdom teachers teach these wisdom teachings challenge us to unlearn cultural norms shift our perception and really come into a new way of looking at forgiveness and death and then life as we go so um, in a minute or so because I need a minute to close this show I want to share one more quote before we go but in a minute or so Adam can you tell us about this unlearning curve and why this is so important well the what what I put forth in the in the the book dr. Jerry the unlearning curve is specific to unlearning one problem and that's the problem of that was created by the one thought that we are separate. Yeah. And that became this identification with ego and separateness from the whole. And in that process, we developed the whole thought system and a mindset and it's, it guides and has controlled our world since, well, eons. And the idea is there's nothing to learn Per se, there's everything to unlearn. And when we unlearn that thought system, which is the source of the problem that keeps us separate, when we unlearn that, are we, we, we can now become conscious of it as an experience. Oh, there I go again. I'm thinking and operating in my separate self, my existential self. 
<laughs> let's let's move beyond the existential self and into the essence self, the authentic yeah. self. And that's the invitation of unlearning. And this is is it's it's so simple. It may seem complex. It's a little bit paradoxical because we want to think everything is so complicated. But what the what we do with the unlearning curve is we really step by step into that mindset. And that disempowerment of that mindset empowers the authenticity. It empowers the, the innate state of who we are and that which all that has been given. And this isn't woo-woo stuff. That's why I focus so much on what, what no longer serves us. And it's that one thought that invited us to be separate. We said, okay, we're going to go for our separation. And in that separation, we created everything else. And everything else is seemingly, well, doesn't give us that sense of equanimity, that peace, that love, that grace, that joy, that sense of compassion. And this is the invitation that we can shift our perceptual lens into that place of our unified field. The world will continue to do what it does. Doesn't mean we have to see or experience the world as we did. And that's the great invitation of our time. Beautiful, beautiful way to end this important conversation. Thank you so much for being here, Adam, and bringing this message to our listeners today. Yes, you're very, very welcome. I'm honored to be here with you and all of you and look forward to continuing this this wonderful discussion and, and exploration. Yeah, here's to part two. So I want to leave you listeners with these words from Divine Genius. When you choose the genius mind, you remember that everyone and everything helps you to return to the place you never left, the oneness of your authentic self. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. Bye.